you, Holy Spirit. Okay, so my profession, apart from uh, being a pastor, that's not a profession in my mind, but my profession is I'm a watercolor artist. I'm a painter. Whoa, come on. Okay, I'll give out business cards now. Um, and so, um, I'm going to paint a scenario. <laughs> paint a scenario. Um, let's say that I've you know, stayed up night and day, and I'm painting this beautiful picture, and I get to the end of it, and I'm just like, I stand back, I look at it and go, wow, that's good. That is good. And that's what God does with us. He designed us. He created us. And we cannot miss the fact that he steps back and he goes, wow, wow. Okay, so, but here's the other side of it. What if during the night, my painting decided that it was going to change? And so, I don't know how, this is a, an imaginary thing, but, you know, I have an, an imagination that goes wild. Um, my painting, overnight, decides to do its own thing. And when I wake up in the morning, I go over to look at it, it has completely different look to it. The brush strokes are all in different places. It is not the painting that I had in mind. And so what would I do? Would I tear it up? Would I throw it in the garbage? No. I would want to redeem that because I remember what is in my heart about that painting and I would go to work, wouldn't I? Well, I really felt the Lord gave me that image to kind of pinpoint what it is that he wants to talk to us today about. And I'm going to talk about the right to choose. See, my painting decided. It chose to change. And that was a game changer. But let's dive into the word of God. When Ramesh and I were in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, um, Chris Vallotton spoke about something that I haven't been able to get out of my spirit. In fact, I don't want. I want what he shared to change me. He talked about shaping history. And um, in the next, or every four years, we get to vote. We get to choose, don't we? Well, that's a crazy responsibility. And we need to not take that lightly because we get to shape what happens in our world. This is a God-given uh, part of who he is. He designed us and he shaped us to make choices. So every four years, we wait to address these things. But wait a minute. Do we have to wait every four years? No. No. Let's read Ephesians 2.6. Listen to this. God raised us up with Christ 
and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. We're his painting, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's my question to you. How do you see yourself as a child of God influencing and shaping our culture, the history of the world? Perhaps you don't even see yourself as having any relevance or any importance. Maybe you feel helpless in that regard. Maybe um, you feel like, well, other people, uh, let's, let's other people do this. Let other people do or make those choices, not me. Who am I? And especially when we look at the political upheaval and the environment that we're in, um, you can become very cynical of change. You can become very cynical that we have any voice whatsoever, right? Okay. Well, hopefully after today, we're going to hear the Spirit of God in our spirit, breathing and reviving us in this area. God does not think like we do. Would you agree? But we are created in his image and we can come to know his thoughts. We, we have been given the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and, and understanding. He wants us to know how he thinks and what he thinks, and how he does things. Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God thinks from eternity, not from time and space. Just think about that. He is not locked in to time and space. So he is a covenant-keeping God. He refers to himself all the way through the Old Testament as, or he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is present tense, I am. He thinks that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive because they are. And we have a covenant with him. He has made promises to them that he's keeping, still keeping. He's made promises to us that he is keeping. So he is, he is reminding us that um, he cares deeply about our lives. He listens to every prayer that we pray when we pray in faith and, and cultivate trust in him. And he is working out everything according to who we are and what his original design is of us. We are his handiwork. We are his painting. But then we go back to this point that we make choices. 
He designed us that way. This is another Chris Vallotton statement. I want you to think about this. God doesn't rule the world like he rules the church. God doesn't rule the world like he rules the church. Okay? God wants kingdom government, the kingdom of heaven, to be released inside every governing body. But God's kingdom is based on love. He is a covenant-keeping God, and he wants a relationship with his sons and daughters. And how he relates to the church is based on this. Romans 13.10. This is how he relates to us in government. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. No physical harm, no verbal harm, no harm. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Okay? That's, what the, that's how he rules the church, in relationship. But if you are not in a covenant relationship with God, you are still under the law. And that is how he rules the world. There are laws in place that keep everybody safe. Those laws are relevant to everyone. So the law brings an awareness of right and wrong. And if we don't submit to the laws of the land, you should be afraid, right? When I hear a police car coming behind me, my heart rate goes up. I'm happy when it goes right past. <laughs> but but that, that is a respecting of the laws that are in place. And so we could say that the laws of the land are based in fear. The laws of God are based in love. Good so far? Okay. So we can release God's kingdom into every sector of our culture, every, every place where we go. We are change agents. We have that redemption mandate on us. Our cooperation and co-laboring with Christ will be what brings peace into every environment, or it should. It has the potential. You cannot legislate this. We have to understand this as a church body. You cannot legislate Christianity. It's a different kingdom. They're separate. Submission to the law is based on fear. Submission to God and his ways is based on love. I don't know about you, but when I asked the Holy Spirit to come into my heart, Jesus came into my heart, and I'm not my own. I think differently. I've got him in me thinking way differently. And I'm not happy until I get on the same page with him. Anybody else notice that? 
And it really is about love. He won't let me strike out the way that I want to. He works on me to will and to do of his good pleasure. He works on my character. That's why I'm called a disciple. I'm being disciplined. I'm being changed so that I can be influential in my world. His goodness, God's goodness, is not just for the church, though. His goodness is available to everybody. And his righteous laws, even those laws that are based or have, that bring fear, those are there for protection. It's still his love and his goodness. But Christ is the fulfillment of that law. And once we step into that covenant, then we begin to want to behave. Right? Not everybody will recognize who's in, who is in charge. Not everyone will recognize his goodness. God has always allowed us to make choices. Remember Adam and Eve. You're going to probably each want an audience. There's going to be a long line up in heaven where I need to speak to Adam and Eve. Thank you very much. Um, but he gave them a choice. Now, the amazing thing about God is that he didn't demand them to choose to do the right. In fact, taking away the ability to sin is called control. If you tell a child they can't do something, there's just something inside us that says, well, that's what I want to do. And then when they try to do it, then there's that control there. Well, another Chris Vallotton statement, God is in charge, but not in control. And you might think, well, that's semantics. Maybe that's the same thing. Well, let, I ask Ramesh, what do you think of this statement? This is what he said. It's like a family home. The parents are in charge of that home, but the children get to exercise their ability to choose to do right or wrong. And if the parent continued in that child's development, just, just controlled them, well, you're under my household and you're, gonna, and you're just going to do what I tell you to do. You know, that's not going to be a very happy home, is it? There's a time to exert those controls, but then there's a time to respect the will that that person has. And that's where the, the training, the development begins to, to show up in, in that child. Character is built there. And so the parents are in charge. They're protecting, they're protecting that environment while the child learns obedience. When I surrender to God's love, I choose his control. I want him to, to not just be in charge. I want him to control. But again, that's my choice. And say, I'm saying I want to be spirit controlled. Holy Spirit, come. Fill me. 
Let there be more of you in me than of me. Because, you see, that's what true freedom does. It brings, or that's what it is. It, it comes through submission to him, knowing that he knows what the painting is supposed to look like. The, the true enjoyment will come when the original design is restored. It's interesting that if I step away from God, um, he does not make me serve him. But I immediately begin to feel that separation because I've come out from underneath his covering and his protection. So I feel the sting of that. And that is what makes me run back to him. But he is so amazing. He still pursues us, but he doesn't control us. Isn't he amazing? What a beautiful, tender-hearted father we have. He's so, so careful with us. So let's go back now to the uh, concept of addressing our political world. Okay? What happens if we forget who we are as sons and daughters of the Most High God and we stop, we stop operating in love? Well, we begin to operate out of a political spirit. And you say, well, what exactly is a political spirit? Well, from what I can gather, when people say that, it has a... I'll just, I'll just share with you some of the ways that you know you're operating in it. How's that? Um, a political spirit likes to debate. It's critical. It's divisive. It's contentious. It challenges authority. It doesn't submit to authority. It becomes an authority. And if we operate in a political spirit, then we lose our God-given position of authority. Because God has some very strong um, guidelines for us so that we rule and reign under his authority. And it starts first with submitting to how he does things. When I submit to him, oh my goodness, there's a kiss on what I do. There's an authority. But a political spirit is more concerned with its own agenda and the will of the people than the will of God. God's order of government starts with submission to him and continues with submission to authorities. So we may not honor the, or we may, no, put it this way. We are to honor the office even if we don't agree with the party. If you want to get messed up fast, go on social media. And the ranting and the raving and the this and the that. It'll mess up your spirit so fast because you feel like you have to choose sides. You don't have to. 
because you're seated with Christ in heavenly places far above all of that, and you need to plug your ears. Not all knowledge comes from God or is filtered through God. It's the knowledge of the tree of good and evil, and you that's lowering yourself. Get back up on your chair and take a bath, take a brain bath. 1 Peter 2, 13 to 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the, I'm going to put prime minister in there, okay? Whether to the emperor, well, the prime minister, as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. You see the world system? Not, that's right there. That's based on fear or respect. That's another way to put it. Um, but verse 16, this is where the church is in covenant. And what does he say? Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves or employees. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers, fear God, and honor the king or honor the prime minister or the president. And yes, we get to honor other, other nations' leaders. We don't, we, we don't get to slice and dice them and still keep authority as a son and daughter seated with Christ in heavenly places. You cannot operate in a political spirit in that place. Your prayers just won't go anywhere. In fact, you end up judging yourself and bringing curses. 1 Timothy 2.1 I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And this is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved or to come into that covenant with him. He wants everybody there and to come to a knowledge of the truth. But he doesn't legislate it, does he? but we get to carry that. Our attitudes and thoughts about our leaders, yes, our attitudes and our thoughts and our words will impact our culture if we are um, not careful to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. I'm wearing my take captive shirt today. It says Shaba. We've been hearing the Lord say that for the last few weeks. Take captive. Jeremy spoke on it on Wednesday at the, at the engine room. Take captive every thought. Make it obedient. Guess what? That means that we can take captive every thought and make it obedient. We have the Holy Spirit inside us enabling us to do his will. Everybody still love me? No eggs? Good. Thank you, Ian. I heard another pun coming. <laughs> so the reference of taking captive is from 2 Corinthians 10. If you're 
I believe it's 10.3. But taking captive is not easy. It is not either meant to be easy. And I have an illustration. I, I hate to share this illustration, but this is the one the Lord gave me. Um, the other day, I went to my mailbox, and there was a political flyer, and I picked it up, and I threw it in the garbage, and I heard myself say, what a bunch of garbage. <laughs> well, here I am preparing this message, and I heard the Holy Spirit go, that was disrespectful. And I said, well, that person's disrespectful. And like I'm making judgments, left, right, and center. And, and I'm, I, I just had to give my head a shake, like who's in my brain right now? Who am I going to choose to listen to? And Holy Spirit said, go pick it out of the garbage. Oh my goodness, that was humiliating. Nobody's looking and it was still humiliating. I had to reach way down. But then I had to carry it carefully back home to my apartment. And I could feel all the animosity and the bad attitudes that I've been carrying towards that political party. And, and I'm like, what is the point of this? And he says, well, what do you think it is? Well, I get to repent. And he said, the first thought when you see a flyer is that you should pray for that leader. Whoa, well, that's a novel idea. You guys, it's so ingrained in us to be critical and to take sides and to operate in that spirit. And he is dealing with me because I'm very opinionated. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And, and, but he wants me to have authority when I pray so he is dealing with me, and it's not easy because I'm confronted with the spirit of this age and how I've been in agreement with it, and I have to break agreement. And that's what repentance is. It's changing your mind. It's, it's moving away from the, the, the bondage of that and moving out of that fear, that victim mindset that says, I'm subject to all these things in my government. And, and that's a victim mindset, and I am no longer under that kingdom. I am under the kingdom of God where I rule and reign, and I get to bless my leaders. I get to bless this land when I'm obedient, when I submit to doing it his way. No submission, no authority. Let everyone, this is Romans 13, 1 to 2. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there's no authority except that which God has established, and the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Well, when I read that scripture, my immediate thought is, well, what about dictators and evil governments and tyrants and, 
and listen. All the way through history, all the way through scripture, we see that God is using evil governments to discipline his nation. We got to get this. We are in the middle of a government that has made decisions that are oppressive, period. But we are no different than Daniel and Joseph and Esther and those down through history who've been placed for such a time as this. But we get to do it different. We're the change agents. You and I are. And you say, well, I'm not a public person. Oh, yes, you are. You better believe it. We got witnesses in heavenly realms watching us. Spiritual authorities, rulers and reigners and spiritual authorities are watching very much what we think and what, we, what comes out of our mouth and our attitudes and our opinions and, and the negativity and, and all that. Isn't that true? We are being watched carefully. We are known in spiritual realms. So you don't, you, you don't have an excuse that you don't have a voice. Your voice is being heard. Believe me. And if the enemy has legal rights through your voice, then this is going to be a really, really long journey. But he wants to bring us together on the same page and unite us so that we can take a stand. What have we learned about our choices so far? When we are passive and we don't take our place in influencing our culture, evil fills the void, right? It's happened all the way down through history. It's still happening. And when we, we are angry and try to legislate morality and Christian values, guess what? We are despised and hated, and we lose respect by those who we are trying to love to Christ. There's got to be a different way to do this. And I believe that, that he is wanting to teach us how through very simple steps, submission to him and submission to the authorities that are there and issue in the kingdom of God through having a right attitude, through prayer, through, prayer, through honor, through blessing. Joseph didn't do anything wrong. He ended up in prison in a, in a very difficult thing. He was hated by his brothers, but he submitted to God and the very government that put him in prison raised him up to a, an extreme place of influence in the land of Egypt. Daniel, boy, you, none of us would have liked Daniel's title. He was the chief sorcerer. He was the magician. But you see, in the middle of that society, he submitted himself to God and he was devoted to God so much that even Nebuchadnezzar and all the other leaders were influenced by his relationship with God. So powerful. 
so powerful. These are, these are things that we are meant to pay attention to because we are children of God, just like Joseph and Daniel and, and Esther and Jeremiah, all placed in very, very diff, difficult, difficult cultures and regimes. We serve the same God. What a great time in history for us to actually rise up and shine. Don't be afraid of things getting darker. We just get brighter. And can you know how much lighter we would feel if we got rid of our anger? And I'm not talking about getting rid of righteous indignation, but there's something respectful that goes along with it because it motivates us to position ourselves to make the right places of submission to God and believing him for him to fulfill his promises because he's a covenant-keeping God. And he will honor you if you do things his way. Are we waiting for a righteous government to be established? Or are we becoming the righteous government that he wants us to be? Sons and daughters are heirs of God's promise. Remember, he's eternal, and he keeps his promises. He's still at it, and he's not going to finish. Okay? Sons and daughters are secure. We are instructed to pray, make petitions, requests, to keep thankful, to surrender, to be confident in our God. Sons and daughters are not victims, and they are not spectators. Sons and daughters are positioned strategically to bless the land. You know, I've been saying for so long, there's just so much blood on the land from abortion and the murders, and, and then I hear the Holy Spirit say, well, what are you going to do about it? Instead of complaining about it, do something. Well, what would you like me to do? Well, stop judging in the first place and get back to praying and repenting on behalf of those decisions that were made. I am an intercessor. I can stand in that place where Jesus is, crying out for mercy on this land. And, and so I've moved my position now. Instead of feeling like a victim, I'm saying, God, show up. Bring revival in this land from one side of the country to the other. North to south, east to west. However, just take over. Let your presence be so strong that we move into position, are reconciled to God, and make a, and step into that covenant-keeping God relationship where we're pulled out of that place of living in fear and victimization, and we step into that place of ruling and reigning with him. In Jesus' name. Oh, man, I can feel his presence all over me. He so wants us, our identities, to be grounded in him. He wants us to know the joy of taking captive every thought. We get to demolish strongholds. We do. 
And we don't have to become demon-minded to actually have authority. We just focus on who Christ is and his promises. And we get moved into position. And I don't know about you, but if I don't pay attention to a lie, or I don't give it credence, it disappears. And he's wanting us, inviting us to fix our eyes on the spirit of truth and, and clear our minds, renew our minds, and get back into that place of having the mind of Christ and knowing the joy of intimacy with him. So that's my challenge today, is when you go home, understand that your life is extremely important. How you think is extremely important. What you feel, your attitudes, and what you do. You are his workmanship. And he's redeemed you. He's putting brush strokes on to restore you back to his, the original design. And your original design is so beautiful. And he wants us to shine like the stars in our culture. But we're going to have to give up something in order to do that. And that's that negativity, that criticism, that mean-spirited, that being in agreement with harshness. And having to pick a side. Yes, vote your conscience. Because the Holy Spirit will lead you. He's so good at that. But listen to him. Let him. Let him guide you in how you think about this. Don't make snap decisions about this party or that party. Ask him to show, how, show you how to pray and who to vote for. And he will give you a choice. But he will inform you well. But he's waiting for us to ask respectfully and carefully. Amen. Amen. And the other thing, I know it's 12 o'clock and we all need to go. But I just felt like he said today that if you've not been reconciled to God, if you've not stepped into that covenant with him, he so wants you. And you've been wrestling with that. And he wants you to take that next step and put your trust in Jesus as Lord, as Savior. Jesus paid a high price to express his love for you, not just a one-time commitment, but he wants to spend eternity with you. And he wants to fulfill his gracious promises to us. Amen. So if you... Um, want to take that step, please come, come and see us at the end. Um, and, and please go home with this in your heart. In fact, why don't we just stand right now? Let's take one more minute. Let's stand right now. And if you want to repent in your heart of, of operating out of a political spirit, and you want to step back into that covenant ruling and reigning, let's just... Just say to him right now, Lord, we give our hearts and our minds back to you. And we ask that you will come. We acknowledge that you are in charge. 
and that we get to choose. And so, Father, we position our hearts. We ask that you would paint your brush strokes on us and that you would bring each one of us back into our original design. And Lord, we just ask that you would help us to change in how we see our political world and the history of Canada. And Lord, we commit that no matter who steps into government or steps out of government even, that we will bless the land, that we will bless and pray for any leaders. We will pray for the educational system. We will pray for our police. We will pray and not make judgments. Lord, we ask you to teach us, train us, raise us up in your house so that we become a people on the same page with you and that our prayers will be heard in heavenly realms for ages to come. Thank you, Jesus. Bless this beautiful, beautiful family of God here. Lord, help us to walk in unity with you and with each other and make us a refreshment and a blessing to the land of Canada and wherever our feet step. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you.